Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Andrew and Meredith, how are you going? Pretty good. Good to be here. Yeah. We are doing a very fun episode. On the are they all fun? They're all fun. It's actually a massive drainer in my week. <laughs> no, it's not, actually. It's always, it actually is like the most fun to record. It's one of the best hours of the week, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's good fun. We're not always this chirpy. What do you I mean? Know, six beers you had at lunch. Another sorry. discounted cash flow analysis. Um, no, so we get to have a chat, uh, but this one is special because in place of our usually a usual weekly episode on a Saturday morning called Two Cents, we're probably somewhere- Happy New Year. A happy New Year for tomorrow. Um, we're probably, I don't know where I would be on this day, uh, but I'm somewhere, hopefully, yep. and you are hopefully somewhere, somewhere as well. Hopefully it's warm. Hopefully it's warm. Uh, but we're recording this in advance, and this is an episode, 24 Ideas, Investment Ideas for 2024. This is a bit of fun. We use this as an opportunity to let you know how, what we're thinking about, how our um, financial planning side of things and the investing side of things is going, and we give you some ideas to pop on your watch list, and then you can be the judge. Next year, you can say, Owen, Drew, you guys you picked guys Scrub Daddy Sponge, it does <laughs> not work. Or you said Soul Pats was a good company to watch and it's gone down. You can let us know. But we are not making recommendations in this uh, episode. It might not seem like it, but we're not. Because we're just here to get you to stock those watch lists, to get you out there and just thinking about what you could do with your money this year. And as you will see, some of them are a bit of fun. So, Drew, we've got- Roughly 12 each. So why don't we go- <laughs> You said 12, 24 for 2024, and then you put 25. <laughs> yeah. I mean- you couldn't choose. Give the people what they want. A- <laughs> okay. So my one is a very simple one. We've got, we've got some of them personal finance slash financial planning. Some of them are stocks and ETFs and funds, and some of them are just themes. They'll be at the end. So for the first fun one, my first and only silly one, is uh, a scrub daddy sponge. About five bucks on Amazon, you can get this sponge, which one of the people in the team, uh, Monique, her partner got a hold of her scrub daddy sponge and he said, this has changed my life. <laughs> this is a sponge. It's like one of those life hacks of TikTok. Yes, it is a life TikTok. It's one of the most highly rated products you can get on the entire Amazon website in the world. Scrub daddy sponge. Scrub daddy sponge. It's got a smiling face on it and it's round 
normally yellow. Oh, cool. Yeah, and you just stick it in your sp- in your sink, and it kind of hides out of sight. It's got a little handle, a little holder thing, and it literally goes for a lifetime. People have them in their showers. It was on Shark Tank back back in the day. I think it was two thousand and twelve. And they are everywhere. They are literally everywhere. I only cottoned onto this in 2023, but the Scrub Daddy sponges are out there. Five bucks, change your life. That is my first investment idea of 2024. It's self-investment. So I've got another one, which is I'm a, I'm a late bloomer in this regard, mm-hmm. but buy basics in clothes. Ah, so just like plain Turn into Uniqlo, go buy 20, maybe not 20. <laughs> Consumerism. <laughs> just buy T-shirts of all different colors, get the basics right. And when you when you go to get, I think I talked about having only two colored shirts. Maybe mm-hmm. you have more colored t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just get basics, and luckily fashion has kind of changed, so you can be mm. a bit more basic and oversized these days. Yeah. Get but cheap basics because they all look completely good and fine, and and refresh your wardrobe that way. <sighs> look at this. They got sponges. They got fashion <laughs> who, advice who are we? from these two chaps behind the These middle aged men. <laughs> Yeah, I'm putting you in my car. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I'm just like, in a good moisturizer is the other one. <laughs> okay, two middle-aged blokes. Here's something that's for middle-aged folks. Shout out to Aesop. Aesop, yeah. Do you want to send us a voucher? Then we'll share it with the community. <laughs> <laughs> send us your coupon code, Scrub Daddy. Uh, we'll share it with the community. But seriously, a Scrub Daddy sponge is worth it. And you know what you can do? You can do an Amazon subscription. On average, a Scrub Daddy sponge lasts, lasts at least two months, so they do an automated subscription. If you buy it on subscription, you get 30 cents off. No subscription at Uniqlo, unfortunately. No subscription. But Uniqlo does have those- Membership. It, Uniqlo's got those cool um, automated checkouts. Where they you, do. You don't even need to scan. You just yeah. push it in it's the so box. Cool. And it works out what's <laughs> in there. Like How does stealing. it even do that? It feels like you're stealing something. I don't know. If anyone, if anyone hasn't done this yet, just go into a unique clothes <laughs> store at a Westfield. You just get a pile of clothes from the shelf. Just Jump them in there. Chuck it in and it automatically registers what's in the thing. I reckon there must be computer chips in your t-shirt or something. There's got to be something yeah, in the label. That's, that's how they do it so cheap because they're following you everywhere. Sorry, Uniqlo. Yeah. Anyway, my number two <laughs> is uh, if you're over 50 or even like I'd say 50 is a round figure, but it could be really anything. As you get closer to preservation age, which is a fancy financial term for when you can access super benefits and these types of things, um, you maximize your super contributions. So $27,500 per annum is the current uh, limit for concessional contributions. This includes the money that goes automatically from your super, uh, from your employer. Add the money into your super fund. Now, if you want to top up what's in your super fund every year, you want to go up to that $27,500. You can just be pay money in, just transfer money straight into your super fund, but keep in mind that you do need to lodge something called a notice of intent to claim a tax deduction. The form's on the super fund's website. Basically, what it means is you can claim a tax deduction for it and the money goes in. And you have to have enough taxable income to claim that tax deduction. Absolutely. Which is very wary of. Yes. Um, so, when the money goes in, you put the money in and you can claim that tax deduction. The benefit is that you get it inside super and it compounds for the next 10 or 15 years, however long you got to access it. The obvious and very critical downside to keep in mind is that you can't access it for the 10 or 5 or 15 years till you, got re- till you hit retirement. That's the downside. But for most people that want a hands-off, long-term compounding strategy, you can use those super contributions. So maximize those. They've gone up a little bit recently. There is also something called a non-concessional contribution you can Google. Um, go. Number, Number two, two. Yep. let's stick with super. 
consolidate your super funds. It's so, and this is a perfect time to do mm. it. I know we. I, if if you're like me, you just put this stuff off forever. Maybe not forever. But yeah. All those little things that can be done in about ten minutes you don't think about. Yep. But if you've got a lower balance in multiple super funds, that's where the fees get eaten up the most. Yep. So just consolidate them. Consolidate. You can do it. Don't you can ask your current super one. fund. It's can, really easy. You can do it in MyGov if you've got your MyGov, your Centrelink, your Medicare, your tax stuff all set up there. You can just pick which one you want. And done. Um, you may as well just want to review your insurance needs while you're there. If you're younger, you may still want your insurance inside your super. Uh, if you're a bit older, maybe it's time to seek the advice of a financial planner. Maybe you don't need that as much anymore, but get the expert advice. Uh, number three for me is invest in paying off your mortgage. Uh, and there's a reason that I say to do this. The last couple of years, we've seen interest rates go up. I know, but wait, there's a financial planning element and an investing element to this. Many times over the year, we've talked about that if you pay off your mortgage, but I don't mean pay it off as in put the money on the mortgage. I mean, use an offset account, which most banks will provide you with. You save on the interest costs on the mortgage. You don't earn interest like you would from a term deposit. But the benefit is that you can pay down that mortgage whenever you want to. Then you can redraw against it. Speak to your mortgage broker, speak to your accountant, because once you redraw that money, it's tax deductible, that component, the interest that you pay, you can take that money back and you can invest it, say, in a share portfolio or an ETF portfolio that pays you fully frank dividends. So you get franking credits on your income and then the cost of that uh, capital from your mortgage, you claim the interest as a tax deduction. So it's something that I wish I did earlier. Get professional advice on that. You're basically using debt to buy shares, but the only way you can do it is if you have equity in, in your, your home. Yeah. Or your, or your investment property. I'm going boring here too. Okay. Review all those automatic subscriptions. I have. Every time I look at my bank account, <laughs> yeah. Apple's Amen. deducting something else. Yeah. Maybe it's the kids, you know, downloading. Oh, it's always at $2.99. Oh, and you're like, what, what did I? <laughs> but there's so, and how many streaming services? It's, so you forget so many things or you sign up for something and you forget to cancel it. Mm -hmm. Just, and this is yeah, very budgeting hacks, but just review it all. Go into your Apple subscriptions and Amazon subscriptions. Are you using it? Uber, everything's got a subscription now. so And they've all gone up over the last two yeah. years because all their costs have gone up. Could free up some cash flow. Most of these things, they'd hate to say, but like KO Sports, you can switch off and switch back on. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to eat one of these biscuits as well. Um, I don't know. What are they called? Biscotti. Biscotti. So we got a Christmas present. Biscotti. 24 of them too. <laughs> you can, uh, with Amazon Prime, you can use Amazon Prime and you can get the free shipping, but you also get... Prime video, very crunchy. Um, you can't really hear it. That's all right. Um, but we are eating biscottis while we do this. That's how relaxed we are today. Um, they've all the, the good thing about Apple as a company is that it controls the App Store, obviously. But they do tell you if one of the providers increased their App Store fees. So if you've got a subscription, like I've got OptiSport, they tell you that in advance, which is a good chance to cancel if you want to. Remember, there's a loyalty tax. Okay, final... This is before we get to the investing. My final investing, uh, my personal finance slash financial planning hack, which is automate your investing. A lot of financial planners, like say Drew here, will set up, uh, if you become a client of Auto Partners, you oftentimes, like I'd say most of the time, you get a platform like Hub or NetWealth or one of these platforms, Edge. One of these platforms, a financial planner will put your portfolio onto one of these things and they automate all the tax reporting and everything for you. So your financial planner will do that for you. As an individual investor, you also have that choice now as we come into 2024. You have the opportunity to use one of these more modern investing platforms. So Comsec doesn't do this. 
for example. But there are investing platforms out there that I would highly encourage you to go and check out. One of them is Perla, who is a sponsor of our Australian Finance Podcast. They do automated investing, meaning that it actually detects if you've got the money ready to invest and it will automatically invest into the allocations in your portfolio that you set for it. So you say, I want this much in the VAS ETF, this much in the IVV ETF, this much in bonds. It automatically does that for you. So that would be set up as much automation as you can for the core of your portfolio and then you can sleep easier. Number four, the final personal finance slash financial planning hack, Drew. I always like to just get back, get out that fresh sheet of paper again on the 1st of January and x-ray your portfolio. So <clears throat> where are you invested? Where are you exposed? Uh, take the opportunity. We never really, we probably don't as much as we should. And if you're only going to do it once a year, do it in January. Yep. It's all quiet and understand where everything is. So, so, much, so much product is sold in financial services. So make sure everything that's sitting here is something that, is going to be there for the long term and not something you've kind of bought on a on a whim or a short term. I love this, yeah. It's called collector syndrome, isn't it? Where you just go and collect all the different investments. Like, oh, I'll take a little bit of salt parts. Oh, I'll grab a little bit of that ETF, grab a little bit of that managed fund. I'll pop a little bit over here. And by the end of it, you've got 50 positions and you're thinking, what the heck did I get that for? Um, so often when the clients come in, that's exactly how it looks as well. Yeah, we've got some members that have like – 70 stocks yeah. and 30 funds. You're probably better off holding IOC. You just go and pick an ETF and probably do all the same things. Um, okay, so that's our personal finance financial planning, a bit of fun, a bit of a warm-up, if you like. Now we're going to talk about some companies like stocks or ETFs or funds or whatever we're going to talk about. So, Drew, maybe I went last time. You can go first this time. I'm going to take one of yours then. Just a note that Owen has taken most of my good ideas uh, in his. <laughs> so this is the bottom of the barrel over here. I'm going to I'm going to start really out there, maybe not so out there. <laughs> I was going to say if you start at number one, number three is not out there. Oh, I was going to start with number three. Okay, go for that. So best idea to mm -hmm. execute in January: free year Macquarie term deposit, paying five percent per annum. Lock it in, Eddie. <laughs> A reference to Eddie Maguire. Um, <laughs> I think people know that. <laughs> Maybe if you're not Australian, yeah. you wouldn't know. Um, so, three-year Macquarie term deposit. Five, it's actually paying five for three, four, and five years, but I thought maybe you go for the three-year window, not the four and five-year. But you would – like a lot of – this is a little <clears> bit <throat> of an inside baseball joke for people that don't know this. Um, the super wealthy, like super-duper wealthy family office they're called, they actually just have a massive portfolio of – TDs, yeah. term deposits, and they might have like 60 term deposits on the go at any one time. And every couple of days, a new one rolls off and they're constantly skimming for higher interest rates. They're just rolling TDs, they call it. And it's a very worthwhile That's strategy. What Owen has set up. That's what, yeah, my vast portfolio of TDs. <laughs> I've got it, 16 analysts working on my TD <laughs> portfolio. Um, <laughs> Not really. Look I'm sure like someone. That, I'm, I'm sure there are like a handful of people that listen to the Australian Investors Podcast that have this, and they're like, "That's, <laughs> that's me, that's brother. Me. I'm rolling <laughs> in it at the moment. <laughs> Not me, um, but you can get a wonderful term deposit. And why would someone do that when they could go and invest? Well, if you go and look at so a balance fund over the last ten years, according to SuperGuide, mm. has returned six percent. Or you go 15 years, 5.6% per annum. Yeah, well. So you can lock in 5% and that's the virtually just below the, free. Just below, just below the 15-year average. 6% yeah. is the 10-year average. 5.4 is the 7. 4.6 is the 7-year. 
So it's, well, then if you were going to yeah. do this, then you should have just had like one, two, three, four of your investment ideas. So like two year, three two year, four. Yeah. But diversification <laughs> yeah, is key. And there is term deposits to expose you to some risks. Like interest rates go up and you're locked into that lower rate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Unlikely. Would, would you say- oh, Wait, wait, wait. I need to give you some audio. Okay, go. <laughs> so for anyone that's new to the show, Drew's ominous sounding music comes in whenever he makes a bold <laughs> prediction. <laughs> prediction. It's um, just a case in point of it. If you say something enough, you're eventually right. <laughs> but if you had a client that walked in, let's say I'm going to give you a quick hypothetical, walks in, they've got- Two and a half million dollars net worth across super property, blah, blah, blah. And they've got $300,000 in cash that they do not need. So they've already got their other cash. This is just like their savings cash. Would you roll that? As in, would you have two, three, four years or would you just go all three year? Uh, one, we'd look at what their, come, what their cash flow requirement is going to be in the next few years, make sure there's nothing major coming up. Yep. And generally, you'd have a, probably a one, two, and a three. So you yep. have rolling rolling term deposit there so you've got something maturing each year yep. to refresh that cash balance yep. at any given time or you'd start introducing probably your number one pick. My number one pick is the IAF ETF. It is a bond ETF, core composite bond fund from iShares slash BlackRock. So it's just a bond ETF, meaning that it just takes your money and puts it in a bond portfolio. It's Australia's biggest bond portfolio last time I checked. Basically, what you're doing is you're investing in government bonds, which are considered lower risk. The difference between an IAF bond ETF and say, for example, like what Drew was just talking about, is that the value of bonds go up and down. A term deposit does not, not normally. Um, a bond portfolio will tend to go up, like this one in particular, will tend to go up when interest rates go down. So although I'm not making a prediction that interest rates go down, I am probably feeling it in my belly that we're kind of towards done with the dramatic interest rate increases. So you called this a year ago, so I'm going to call it now. I'm going to say, time. I'm going to say that we have started to see that. The interest rate current forecast for uh, interest rate predictions in the United States is a fall of 120 basis points. 1.2% is the current prediction. They're often wrong, never in doubt. But here in Australia, the current predictions are not for that much of a fall. Um, if we do see interest rates start to plateau, expect these bond ETFs to start paying good coupons. Definitely. That's that my number one. That links to my number two, considering you stole most of my other ones. Mm -hmm. um, so BNDS, which is oh, yes. an ETF. Yep. I actually just uh, caught up with Anthony Kirkham, who runs the Western... This West, so BNDS is an actively managed bond strategy yep. by Western Asset Management. Is that uh, provided by BetaShares? Yeah, BetaShares and it, Franklin Templeton. Yeah. Um, and this is an actively managed strategy that invests not just in government debt like IAF, or I think it's mainly government debt and IAF, yeah, yeah. but into corporate and other parts of the fixed income market. So it's just a, the way we talk about portfolios is having that low cost core and then some satellite or some active core around it. Yeah. And that's, and that's I think there's so much opportunity in fixed income at the moment. So Yeah, it's interesting that we're coming on here, predominantly a stock market podcast, and we're talking, bon, about, bon, bon, we're bon. talking about savings hacks. It's an ETF. <laughs> term deposits. Government bonds, but why? pretty boring bonds. Because for the first time in five years, it actually makes so much sense to invest here. Well, there's the opportunity here. Talking to Anthony as well, you can actually you could potentially have a ten percent return from bonds next year. It's just crazy. Yeah. If you're holding five, you know, if you're holding uh, government bonds that are yielding five percent, and they've got duration of seven, and bond yields drop, say by point. 
five percent, you're going to make a that's a three and a half percent capital return. So your return goes to like eight and a half percent next year if if the bond yield drops from five to four point five. Yeah. So there's this this is why it's so attractive and this is why everyone's talking about it. Yeah, it's why all of the f- <laughs> we big do have money, some stocks. Though. It's why all of the big money moved into bonds in 2023. Um, like literally all of the big money, like you look at the ETF market, it exploded with fixed income ETFs for this very reason. And the good news is if you're not thinking about the bond side of your portfolio now, if you haven't already, sorry, it's never too late. Um, I'm going to jump to number two, just get the boring stuff out of the way then, um, is the V-Bond ETF, VBND. So basically the same thing as IAF, except you get global bonds and it's hedged. It's probably the preferred exposure. It's a Vanguard ETF, um, very simple, global bond exposure. Again, you're basically playing on the United States, dropping interest rates. You want a hedged bond ETF because my gut feel, I'm just going with guts today rather than brains, but um, my gut feel is that if the United States drops its interest rates quicker than people expect for whatever reason, you would expect the Australian dollar to rally. Yep. And if that's the case, you want a hedged exposure. Fixed which income returns can disappear pretty quickly. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to stuff around. So make sure your global bonds are hedged. So I will be adding these types of things like IAF and VBND to portfolios. That would be my two. F- the, the rest of them are stocks related. Yeah. So don't Sorry, worry about that. Just, just get them out of the don't, way. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> turn us off. Yeah. Don't cancel nineteen minutes in. We're still good. We're still good. Drew. I actually had one here that I'm going to change at the last minute. Oh. So the, it was VAP, the Vanguard Property Securities. Why don't you just throw that in? We got that. Put, put it in. I think the the only problem with VAP, so it tracks the Australian REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust, so listed companies that predominantly own property. So basically a planned property. Yeah. And I think the my only concern there is I think it's about, was it 15 or 20% of it is in Goodman Group, and yes. only one company, which is almost industrial, only industrial property. Mm-hmm. So I like the listed property sector at the moment. It's so much of the so much of the market has fallen by you know thirty to forty percent. CLW Charter Hall Longwell REIT. We always talk about that's forty percent below its NTA. Thirty percent Goodman. Thirty percent of Goodman. Yeah, that's my only concern with that. I'd be more like VCX, so vicinity, yep. Chadston shopping centres, Chatswood, wherever yep. that is or in New regional. South Wales. Sorry, <laughs> Chatswood. <laughs> <laughs> You guys Sorry. south of the border, Boring. you're all the same. <laughs> um, but the, you, what you're seeing is um, the net tangible asset NTA might be a little bit overinflated and that's going to fall, but the discount below that in addition is so significant that the, most of the market has an opportunity, has a great you know, uh, mean reversion opportunity. Um, but the only concern is around property, I think. Oh, sorry, uh, office property and some of the industrial areas that haven't really fallen off as much. So that's why I'm a bit wary of Goodman and office uh, and more likely to go vicinity, office, which yeah. own shopping centers. Yucky. Yeah. Um, people are going to click on this episode, listen to it and be like, what the heck are these two talking about? Because you know what BCX. they're going to do? They're going to get this list. They're going to go... Google Finance, look at the share price over the past year, and they're all way down. We're not like all the bonds are like way down, the properties way down, and that is the whole entire point. People who've listened to more than two episodes of us two larrikins on this show, they'll go, "I get it. You've been talking about this all year. I get it. I'm moving into retirement." It makes sense to take less risk for a higher return in bonds and these types of diversified REITs. It makes sense. Um, if everyone else to come here looking for like the next lithium, <laughs> you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> anyway, next one from me, 
Time to get a bit more fun. I've got Soul Pats, which is a family favorite. Soul Pats is a conglomerate, meaning that it's like Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, <laughs> Drew's just writing boring in my notes. Um, so Soul Pats is basically a company of companies. You invest in it and you get other exposure. The key thing to note here is that I think that Soul Pats, it's not a yawn, I think the Solpats is actually Australia's one of Australia's best capital allocators. So it's a public company. You buy shares in it, uh, SOL, it's a ticker symbol, but they're cashed up, they're long-term investors, and we are in a market environment where cash will be king. So they're already earning interest on that cash, but they're looking to make other investments of companies that are not cashed up and are struggling. This is exactly the time when you look at companies like this. You tend to pay a bit over the top for the valuation for Solpat. So you might take a small position at first, pays a fully frank dividend, albeit small. It's been listed on the stock market for 100 years. It owns many brands you'd be familiar with, like TPG Telecom, brands like that, uh, Brickworks, which owns Austral Bricks, um, those types of things. That is Solpat's. It's here on the list. It should be on the list. It's one of the best conglomerates in the country. I'm going to go nothing like Solpat's. Okay. <laughs> Good no in many ways. Yep. Uh, now, this is, we've probably talked about this one before. Oh, Australia's and, biggest Ponzi, yeah. We're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are we talking about? <laughs> Challenger. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Challenger Financial Group. So, CGF, Stock Code, they sell on the one side. These biscottis are delicious, but not really the best thing to bring in when you're oh, no. going live and all you can hear is crunching. Uh, they sell annuities, uh, selling quite a few annuities in Japan where uh, the country can tend to be income starved. Uh, they've got this tailwind of people, uh, a lot of super funds and, and advisors having to focus on retirement and an annuity in a higher interest rate environment is actually an attractive product. It hasn't been for the last five years. On the other side, they can make money from higher interest rates being in there, uh, being available for the investments that they hold. So every bond, they annuity they sell, they have to hold a certain amount of capital to support it. Uh, and then they own mm. a group called Fidante, who I'm sure you've done work with. Um, we haven't actually, but they're yeah. um, fund manager. Yeah, so the distributor, and they uh, basically manage some. I think they have about twelve or fifteen different funds that they um, yeah, they, do. they distribute and do the administration for of of different types. A lot in the fixed income and alternative space. Mm. So basically, an annuity. They're the leading provider of annuities, so they provide that guaranteed income stream for retirees and they match that with a portfolio yep. that will benefit as interest rates go up. Which they have to hold. Uh, yeah, uh, have reasonably, to but they're APRA regulated and they have to hold a certain amount of um, yeah. capital to Do support Do you use it. many annuities for your clients? Not a lot at the moment. It's been very difficult doing it as interest rates increased and now they're getting attractive. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. My next one is a bit more, let's turn up the spice a bit. Uh, we'll go with ResMed. So ResMed is the world's leading sleep apnea device maker. So if you suffer from sleep apnea, it's a big yawn. Um, <laughs> interestingly, sleep apnea affects more people than you realize. And the reason why this is a, a, a company that's got to be one of the top 20 companies in the country for compounding over the past 10 years in terms of long-term growth, it's been super attractive being in healthcare and all those things. But recently, in 2023, the company was absolutely swamped by fear of azempic, meaning that more obese people become less obese because they're not eating as much because the ozempic semiglutide uh, drug, which is the underlying drug, actually kind of stops people from ha feeling hungry and, stops and helps people lose weight, frankly. And that's had some reasonably promising success to date. The, the, the key question of why you would consider ResMed a long-term buy and hold over five to 10 years is just down to this point. Do you believe that Ozempic and those related drugs will indeed c 
cure sleep apnea, basically cure obesity. Not everyone that suffers from sleep apnea is obese. No. That's a key insight. So the market is still big enough for ResMed to operate and its competitors like Philips and others. It's big enough to operate. But the key thing is, do you think that they'll work like Ozempic's going to wipe out. I think that's the least likely case. Do you think that they'll work hand in hand? Probably people that will have Ozempic will probably still use uh, a, a mask and a you know a humidifier. Um, do you think that Ozempic's kind of just like a flash in the pan? Maybe. In any case, you can buy ResMed shares quite cheap as at the time of recording. You get a nice little dividend. It's one of Australia's proven compounders. It's long-term vision. Um, it's not a huge... You'll never have this individual stock as a huge part of your portfolio, but as a small position, I think it's very, very, very interesting. And I'd add CSL to list, yep. and that's my next pick. Okay, same thing. Um, the amount of phone calls I got earlier this year in like September, October, the share price fell to like 230 and now it's 270, so it's up about 15% mm. in just a few, I think, since November. So what's that, six or eight weeks? Uh, and it's a similar story. It was sold off very much on Ozempic uh, because of about 20 or 30% of their revenue comes from dialysis. So it's saying that yeah. if there's less obesity, you're going to have less dialysis. And it was this you know, reinforcing mm. kind of concern that uh, this income stream would disappear. But well-managed business, multiple sources of income, you know, constantly it might have dropped from 10% sales growth to 8 but that's still 8% sales growth in an environment where so many companies are shrinking. We're seeing massive sectors shrinking. Um, and it's mm. always expensive. So it's really a fair bit, but I'm, I think ResMed and CSL could be part of core portfolios for sure. Yeah. Um, interestingly, CSL has always faced, like it's just what, if you've been around investing long enough, what you soon realize is that the very best investments are the ones that are the most polarizing. Yeah. They're the ones that are the most debated. Like when Afterpay came out, everyone's like, it's bad for consumers. Next minute, it's up 200 times. Next minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, CSL is overvalued. Next minute, it's grown at not 10% at the top line for the last five years. Like- There's a lot of anchoring the $2 share price on- Yeah, uh, on CSL, or $300 share price or the- But I think it's just a flat out compounder. It doesn't need to grow 50%. And they're making acquisitions at both of those companies, but in particular, CSL is making quite a number of acquisitions recently. And so much R&D. I think they spend a billion every year on R&D. This goes back to that question on last episode's yeah, podcast does. around why companies don't pay, you know, pay less than 2% dividends. Yeah. And it's CSL because it constantly finds new technology and new treatments. It's around, I've gone off the top of my head, purely off the top of my head. I think it's around 15% of Sales, sales goes back into R&D, yeah. which is exactly. huge for an Australian company. Um, okay, I was going to do BHP, but I'm just going to do that as an optional extra. If you're interested in franking credits, the, the, the reason why I've kind of backpedaled a bit from this, because iron ore is looking pretty- Toppy. Yes, yep. pretty uncertain at the moment. The reason I would buy BHP is for the copper shortage that we're going to experience at the back end of 2030, but also the Janssen project that's coming online. Recently caught up with the uh, outgoing CFO, David Lamont. Not to brag. And uh, not to brag, humble brag. Uh, and uh, he really educated us on all of the business. And I've got a sense of just how magnificent that Aussie business is in mining and uh, materials. But the two big things you'd want to look at with BHP, copper exposure, which they've done through acquisition and through their own development, and also uh, the Janssen project in Canada. Uh, but that's not on my official list. On my official list, I'm going to jump straight to LaserBond. So one of the smallest companies that I cover very closely uh, for RASC members Laserbond under the ticker symbol LBL. I always get a bit nervous when I talk about this company on air because we have interviewed the CEO Wayne Hooper before, uh, but the reason I get nervous about it is because it 
it's such a small company and the family still owns so much of the shares that if I mention it on the Australian Investors Podcast with such a big audience, y'all might go out and try and buy some shares and realize there ain't that many shares to buy. Um, and that can create a lot of risk for you. So just keep in mind, I'm just talking about this company generally, go and research it. But what does it do? It, uh, it uses lasers, like machines that are about the size of a small bus, and it repairs machinery equipment. So things like uh, mining uh, tires and wheels, axles, bearings, that sort of stuff. That's a big part of its services business. It's got a technology business where it creates the lasers and it sells them overseas. That's uh, the newest part of its business. And absolutely wonderful company, engineering company, expanding throughout Australia to get closer to the mine sites. Uh, wonderful business, well run, uh, just hidden from view and not many shares available. That's LaserBond LBL as a ticker symbol. Um, I've got one more to go. Drew, you got two more? Let's hear it. I don't mind IJP. Tell me more about this. iShares. Mm-hmm. Japanese index tracker. Okay. Japanese market. Yeah. Are you chasing the market, mate? Chasing the market. <laughs> Going back to the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. And the Nikkei has done reasonably well. <laughs> it has. Over the last year, the Nikkei has been really well done. And credit to the guys at Platinum for calling this uh, last year as well. Yeah, it kind of came out of discussions with Platinum as well, that there is quite a change and there's always a change going on in Japanese markets. And while the, the economy hasn't opened up that much, the 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 country has been like near zero interest rate policy for an extended period of time, avoided all the inflationary problems. And then you have mm-hmm. one some of the opportunities, which I think Platinum will talk about, is the breakup of conglomerates and the you know the release of value that's happening in multiple sectors. And they're still global leaders in some of the most important, you know, cars and mm. uh, advanced manufacturing. So, IJP, uh, iShares, Japan Index, Trex, MSCI. I like that. It's just interesting. I haven't heard you talk about that before, so that's really good. Really interesting. Cool. Um, my final one <clears throat> is pretty boring, as Drew uh, told me in the oh, you've Google got notes. Seven. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. This is trumping me. Six and I don't have seven. <laughs> um, well, you did because you got VAP as well. All right. Yep. Yeah. So, you kind of okay. got seven. Um <laughs> IHVV. So normally on the show, we talk about IVV, which is the iShares S&P 500 ETF. This is the iShares S&P 500 hedged ETF. Exactly the same thing with a little bit more fees, but you get the currency hedging. So what does that mean? It means if the Australian dollar rallies and you've invested in the United States, you're immune from that effect. You still get the performance of whatever the US market does. It's hedged. And uh, for a small amount of a portfolio, if you're allocating more money, I would say, uh, for me anyway, I would say for me, um, allocating to this for the next 12 to 24 months makes sense because the Australian dollar um, is at a point where I think the most likely scenario is that the Australian dollar goes up. That's not to say it can go down. It can go down (laughs) to 50. We've seen it go down to 50 cents before. But I think- This is a bold call. This is, this is my. I've got yeah. a few bulk offs there. Rowan asked. Jesus, um, I don't know. I'm, for those of you that are new here, I'm not normally the one that makes the calls. <laughs> um, I just provide the the silliness. <laughs> um, but this would be my call. That I think the Australian dollar um, is probably at a point where it's ready to just at least provide some strength. God, that's such a finance thing to say. Um, I. I 
I, I'm also maybe I'm just secretly hoping that it goes back up because I'm going to go to Europe <laughs> <laughs> next year, and I'm thinking, why, Positano, please <laughs> yeah. get the cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> even though that's not in US dollars, but you catch my drift. I think you can have both the hedge and the unhedged version. I'd still have more unhedged for the long-term exposure, but for hedged um, is what I'd be moving to. Um, so we've got a lot of bonds in my picks plus a hedged uh, US market. Okay. So now we've got to move on from companies and ETFs and from our personal finance and financial planning hacks. We've got two more to go each, but these are with a different flavor. These are themes that we want to be Not exposed AI to. Not crypto. N- well, mine kind of is. Um, <laughs> crypto? <laughs> Not crypto, but more on the lines yeah, of AI. Heard it here first. Um, it's interesting, the AI thing. But the these are the themes. So if you've got a satellite part of your portfolio, you know we talk about the core being boring, low cost, long term. I've actually got Drew's core portfolio on a piece of paper printed out here on the side. I won't give away all the special source at Waddle Partners. But the satellite allocation is the thing that's really interesting to me. Um, and for a lot of people that are thinking, well, maybe hydrogen, maybe robotics, maybe insert whatever, this is where we're kind of like feeling our way through it and we want to give you what we're thinking about. So uh, you went first last time, maybe I'll go first this time. I think, here's my big bold theme bet for the rest of the 2020s, I think US technology stocks and US technology innovation overall I think it will continue to thrive, and I think that it will be the best place to invest for the rest of the 2020s. Magnificent Seven or beyond? Beyond. beyond. I think the NASDAQ 100 is probably where you want to be looking. Um, now, that said, I still think the IVV ETF, the S&P 500, is a better exposure because you don't want to bet the whole bloody house on it. On the NASDAQ, yeah. But the NASDAQ- up 40% this year, so that's a bold call. The NASDAQ has performed exceptionally well over the past 10 years. I think over the 10 years, I could be wrong here- Rough figures off the top of my head, I think it's compounded at about 16.5% per annum. Huge growth, right? Don't expect that to go into the future. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. That said, I just think with this, what we've seen with the breakthroughs of AI over the past 6, 12, 3 years, however you want to think about this, if you think about the breakthroughs that we've had, the companies that stand to benefit from that right now are the biggest companies. We haven't seen a challenger emerge that's like a $200 million company that's you know really small but innovative. All we've seen is Microsoft gobble up OpenAI, yeah. basically. We've seen Google release their own product. We're seeing Apple release their own products. Yeah, even bloody Tesla is trying to make their own product. So basically, I think that the winners will keep winning, and I think the US centric focus is important. Um, so for a bit of exposure, I would be focusing on those types of companies. And I'm sticking with where one of my picks or where probably two of our picks were, mm. which is, you know, you're trying to find something and be a little bit creative here because no one expected AI really last year. No. And um, no one expected big tech probably the year before. Uh, so health sciences, and this is incredibly diverse. You can go into pharma, you can go into you know, Azempic, you can go into all these areas. Genetics, genomics. Yeah. Gen- yep. Genomics. Uh, and I think the big one here is that I mean, you've got the normal aging population, all these kind of stories. But, you know, what we did during the pandemic creating uh, vaccines, it was kind of super impressive and there was ex- expectation that the healthcare sector would take off. It was obviously hit a bit by bond yields. Yeah. But some of the breakthroughs that you're seeing in some of the treatments, I feel like healthcare is set up in the next health health services, sciences, sorry, not healthcare, mm-hmm. is set up in the next you know, five to 10 years to be, you know, big driver of returns and it could be alongside technology. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing some really generational shifts. It's hard to know when you're investing in innovative things if you're right, if you're wrong, or if you're early. Like, yeah. you could be right about the technology; it just might take ten years. And buying biotech is incredibly difficult. Oh yeah, you wouldn't recommend it. Like anyone that's thinking they can do that in the core of their portfolio, just be very mindful of how risky that is. That's why you do stage three clinical trials because you don't know the answer. <laughs> So anyone that is 100% certain that they do know, um, just be very mindful of that. It sounds like you're stealing my ideas for the next one too. Oh, what are you talking? I'm talking about China and India. Yeah. What did you pick? Oh, yeah, with Japan. No, that's not related. Not quite. I'm saying my second big theme for the next decade and something I'm watching in 2024 is it's pretty lame for me to say. It's pretty broad. China and India. If you folks, if you <laughs> ask me to pick one, like thirty percent of the global economy. <laughs> yeah. Well, pick the big technologies companies. Pick China. What else is there? Mars. <laughs> like, you heard um, it here. But anyway, okay. So if I had to pick one of those, I'd pick China. Whoa. Uh, the reason that I am interested in this and how it goes in twenty twenty four. Is for a very long time we've seen Chinese stocks underperform, and I don't want to sound like all those other investment consultants. It's like buy China, um, <laughs> and they've been saying it for five years, and they've been wrong every year. But what I would say is that we have seen a normalisation of um, the geopolitics between the US and China a little bit more. China has kind of emerged from this, oh, what do you call it, like post lockdown lockdown. Um, the big unknown in China is the property market. We just don't know how that's going to unfold. But I think if we look out over 10 years, I think as the Chinese economy uh, continues to transition to a consumption-led economy, I think we should start to see a stabilization in a more fruitful market for consumer-based companies, provided the geopolitics are supportive of that, of course. Um, so there's a lot of risk involved in investing a lot of money in China. Uh, whether that's through an ETF or through a fund manager. But at the same time, I think if we can finally crack the code on them being more open with the world economy, you might see opportunities arise. And I still think the best way to invest in China is through an active manager. On the ASX, FEMEX, FMEX is probably the most compelling. They also have exposure to places like India and other emerging markets in the FEMEX fund. Uh, that's a fidelity fund. It I want to be very careful here. This would not be something that I have as a big part of my portfolio. Yeah. It would not be something that's like in double digits. No, no way. Um, and you might add it, you know, diversify across some, a couple of managers with absolutely. Them, you just pick of one. the global equity portfolio. Yeah. It's just on the ASX. A lot of people yeah. don't have that much choice. They've got passive or this basically. Yeah. But this is probably exactly. the best of that lot uh, and a good manager in that. Um, I know you, for what all clients, use many different, uh, strategies, yeah, um, but that's what I'll be looking. At. I'm actually. This is how I think the the thing, the reason why China Chinese stocks haven't performed well in emerging markets, generally speaking, is because a lot of the growth in the economies has not translated to growth in earnings per share into profits for companies, because the regulatory environment is all over the place. We haven't seen economic growth result in profit growth, but we could see that. Yep. So that's what I'm watching. Final one for you, Drew. Uh, and we're, I mean, we're pretty strong on the ESG front here, but yeah. this one's kind of looking at the realization of what a lot of companies are doing in the energy and, and decarbonization space mm -hmm. that we tend to look a lot at 
the brand, you know, the new companies are doing something special and then the old companies and what they're doing. Uh, but I think there's a massive opportunity in transition strategies, mm-hmm. whether it's a transition fund or whether it's companies that uh, incumbents that say have mm. coal mines or coal-fired power plants that are investing heavily to move on from them at the same time, but not just there. So it can be property companies that are reinvesting in their buildings to make them more efficient. Uh, I think a lot of the, the only way that dial moves on decarbonization is if the incumbents are changing rather than all the new companies having an impact because a lot of that's going to be marginal. I agree. So I kind of like this transition story rather than just a flat out, flat out uh, divest or invest. Can you give us an example of what that might look like in a portfolio? As a investment or as a yeah, it's even or even just like a, as a, a series which, coming out, which is and they're very hard to be specific on. I know a group called Clearbridge yep. um, is working on a transition strategy where they've got their own ESG policies and they're looking at those businesses and and they're big enough to be able to advocate for change within those businesses. Australian Ethical has done a similar. Mm. Their prob- there's they're on kind of both ends of the spectrum, um, and then we know Platinum have launched I think a transition strategy as well. Mm. Obviously, it gives you a very broad mandate, so you don't know exactly what they're going to do a lot of the time, but it's it's clear that incumbents need capital to keep changing and that's where a lot of bang for buck will likely come from. I like it. So that's our 24. Scrub Daddy Sponge, five bucks on Amazon. Do we get a dad joke today? We will too? get a dad oh, joke. Yes. So you prep that while I, while I run through these as a review. We had a Scrub Daddy Sponge, change your life for five bucks. Drew says, get some basics in your cupboard. It's cheap. You can do it from Kmart or in his case, Uniqlo. Uniqlo. Uniqlo, send us over your uh, latest coupon codes. Would you do us a favor, please? And we can share that with the rest of the community and also stock up on those basics. Uh, If you're over 50 or just thinking about it, start to maximize your super contributions or at least think about it. You can claim a tax deduction. Keep in mind, you have to actually make an income to claim the tax deduction. Um, Review all of your automatic subscriptions, says Drew. He's just had a look and he's seen these Apple subscriptions are racking up. Cancel some of them if you don't need them. Invest in paying off your mortgage ASAP. If you're a younger person, put that money in an offset account and when you're ready, pay it down and use. you can use the equity in your home to redraw and invest in another property or better still, maybe look at investing in an ETF portfolio. X-ray your portfolio, says Drew. Look at it. Put it down on a piece of paper. If it ain't what you thought it was, cut it, move on. Now is the time. Finally, invest in setting up some automations. It's not that hard. You can get brokers now that will automate your investing for you. Then we moved on to companies and ETFs. I've said IAF, the bond ETF, sold Pat's V-Bond, which is the global bond ETF, ResMed, RMD is a ticket symbol, Laser Bond, LBL. I mentioned BHP in there, but it is a bit frothy with the old iron ore price. IHVV is a hedged S&P 500 ETF. Over on Drew's side of the fence, he said CSL, the IJP ETF, which is the Japanese uh, index tracker. We've got a three-year Macquarie TD. Remember that he said, though, that if he did have a client walk into Waddle Partners right now, today, looking for good financial planning advice in retirement, he would probably consider their needs and match the TDs to the needs of the next few years. Then he said, uh, Challenger, CGF is a ticker symbol. VAP mentioned, what was the other one in there? Alongside that, because you didn't want the Charter Hall, uh, the Goodman Group exposure. Vicinity, VCX. VCX. Uh, and then finally, he mentioned BDNS uh, is the Western asset. BNDS, yeah. Yep. It's from Beta Shares and Franklin Templeton, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, but BNDS is the ticker symbol. Finally, four themes. Big tech, I said, followed by China in particular, if we see that transition to corporate profits. Health sciences, it's true. Transition strategies. We are coming into the end of the new uh, the end of the year, which means the new year is almost upon us. And that means the countdown begins. In January, 10 to 1, we're counting through the 10 
top-rated, best, most well-received, and most informative Australian Investors Podcast episodes where we talk about and we review all the interviews. Drew Meredith, thank you for joining me this year, mate. Thank you for all of the calls. An absolute pleasure. Especially the interest rate calls that everyone got around um, and uh, sending some very delightful letters into you to say thanks for making <laughs> and Blowing me up. <laughs> Fix my mortgage. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, thanks, mate. It's been a huge year. We've got the Australian Investors Podcast up into the clouds in terms of the rankings. Over 50,000 people tuning in. Um, many of those health, uh, sorry, uh, financial planning professionals who look at the show and think this is great. So credit to you, mate. Um, hopefully in the new year, Dr. Andrew Derrimuth can grace us with some more interest rate predictions. And we'll be back twice a week. Every week, Wednesday afternoons, Saturday mornings throughout 2024. If you want financial planning advice, now is the best time to do it. New year, new you, get an expert on your side. You'll find a link in the show notes that says financial planning. If you want to join our membership service, Rascore, that's the membership service I run for thousands of Aussies, you can do that in the show notes as well. Drew, thanks for joining me. And the dad joke is ready to go. Go for it. Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Something about breezy. Because if they flew over the bay, we'd call them bagels. <laughs> Happy uh, New Year, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Year, Drew. Thanks again, so thanks for joining me. <laughs> the best hour of my week. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.